Welcome to the Denker Capital Podcast, where our highly experienced team of in-depth thinkers and other experts share their insights on a range of investment-related topics. In this podcast, we have conversations about developments in South African and global markets and what these may mean for investors. We analyze specific stocks and sectors and explore general themes relating to the fundamental principles that underpin sound investment decisions in an ever-changing world. Hello and welcome to a special edition of the Denker Capital Podcast. Today is the 9th of November, 2021, and I'm Nigel Barnes, joined today by Koki Koyman, Barry de Kock, and Craig Metherall from the Denker Financials team. Good morning, gentlemen. How's it, Nigel? Good morning, everybody. Thanks for joining me. I'm going to ask one simple question right at the start of this podcast, and that is, is now the time to overweight financials? Now, I'm sure that most people, if not everyone listening, has some financials waiting in their portfolios, whether they hold that in a balanced fund within their RA or they hold um, some individual financial stocks in their overseas portfolio. So this should interest everybody. And I think let's focus on three areas in terms of today's discussion. First question, obviously very topical at the moment, and I'll, I'll aim this at you, Koki, in terms of the macro picture. Inflation interest rates. Lots of discussion, lots, lots of comment, lots of coverage. Good or bad for financials? Yes, Nigel. Um, I certainly think it's a good time to be overweight. Uh, ideally, one would have done it last year. You recall we had quite a few webinars urging clients that this is a good time. But, but if we go back in terms of what's happened, uh, the past 10, in fact, even more years, we had a, a downward cycle in inflation as global growth slowed down and interest rates came down into where a lot of the developed market world interest rates were negative. And that put a lot of pressure on the financial sector. And so the, the COVID pandemic unleashed quite a few forces. It disrupted supply and it built up demand. And both those forces now getting together, plus stronger growth, which is now actually pushing inflation quite stronger. And central banks have been dovish or, or lagging, wanting unemployment rates to go lower even and hoping for even more growth. So the bottom line is those three forces combined could just push world growth for a longer period. It will push inflation higher. And that is very good for the financial sector due to high interest rates. So and high interest rates mean higher volumes at wider margins. And your bad debts um, have fallen right down because of stronger growth. So a very good environment all around for, for all the various segments within the financial sector. Yeah, just, just on that, Cookie, in terms of the segments within the sector, I know that you talk a lot about the banks, but the financial sector isn't just yep. the banks. Um, just give us a flavour, yeah. remind us yeah. of some yeah. of the other yeah. areas Look, within. Even within banks, there are, you've got obviously the investment banks and, and they've actually had a very good uh, six months so far with all the new M&A, all the IPOs, everything that's happening in, in, in fintech is in that way, boosting them. Then you've got the whole digital uh, revolution, fintechs have a lot of new smaller players coming in to which we've had exposure as well. Uh, but in the financial sector, then you've got insurance as well. Uh, PNC, Barry will talk later about that, and we've gradually been increasing our investment there. 
And then even there's a little segment that has been ignored by a large part of the market, the debt collection space, where the fund has done very, very well in, because this is an, an unbelievably good environment for debt collectors, because in most of the developed world, the governments have been paying people to stay at home. <laughs> and the guys who are over indebted have been using that cash to first pay down debt. So your debt collectors have really done well. They've really helped us as well. A, f- a few names like Arrow Global, Encore, Innova, uh, Crook, in names that most investors will not have heard of. Sure. Can go and check up the share prices and see those things are all up sort of 200%. Okay, Crook, isn't that listed in Poland? Poland, very good. Thanks, Cookie. Um, I want to come back to the fintech example in a moment, but um, you know, something that's very topical when we pick up newspapers, so, social media, switch on the t- television at the moment is, is climate change. Um, we're seeing, obviously, this big event happening in, in Glasgow at the moment. Barry, over to you in terms of, I know you focus a lot on the insurers, climate change, good or bad for the sector, just give us a flavour as to, as to what's been happening. Sure, Nigel. So as, as Corky mentioned, we've been increasing our position to the non-life insurance businesses in the fund recently. And that's based on, on, on a positive outlook on what we think will occur with the pricing environment. If you look back at the sector over the last five years or so, the, the fact is that many companies just haven't made enough money. And a lot of the reinsurance companies in particular have not met their cost of capital over the period. And that's because we've had very elevated levels of natural catastrophes. Uh, if you think back from 2017, you had um, Hurricanes Harvey, Irma, Maria, etc. Pretty much every year there's been landfall. And not only that, there's also been an elevated degree of what they call secondary perils. So things like flooding in Europe, uh, wildfires in California. And that has really taken a toll. Obviously, insurance exists to pay claims, but this has been a heavy burden on, on many of the companies. Coupled to that, low interest rates over the period as well as hurt earnings, as well as other factors like social inflation in the US, which is driving loss costs higher. For all of those reasons, we're seeing our companies increase prices significantly. So this is improving margins underlying and also improving top line growth. At the most recent uh, quarter, a number of our companies have been growing their top line from 20% to over 50% year on year. So we think there's a significant opportunity there. We've also seen a lot of our companies work with clients to not only pay claims, but to work on loss prevention, um, helping clients to to kind of not get in that position in the first place. So we think that it's certainly a challenge to the sector, but we think even if we experienced continued high levels of, of activity, the companies are pricing for that, and we should see, see good results going forward. Okay. Uh, if I can add to that, Nigel, sure. in both the insurers and still a lot of the European and other banks, the market punished them for the low interest rates in terms of the share prices and ratings. So you're getting your insurers now at record low, what, 10, 15 years, uh, low price to NIVs. Well, as with the banks, the margins are actually improving. So the next 24 months, you'll see very good earnings on very low valuations. And, you know, that's, that's, that's really what most investors would like to hear. Sure. And even more appealing on a relative basis. I mean, in terms of the weighting within the fund, the insurance sector, Barry? It's about a quarter of a fund, the, yeah. the, the bulk of which is non-life insurance. One or two other types of insurance businesses there, but mainly so the, PNC type. So there's business. good exposure. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Um, Craig, come to you now. Kogi touched on it briefly in terms of fintech. I know that investors, when they look at the, the global financial sector, this is an area that really interests them. We, you know, we, we, we shouldn't, obviously put together a podcast like this without talking about 
the impact of pandemic. Um, it's had a big impact from a technological perspective across other areas of our lives. But in terms of, of fintech, some opportunities in the fund, Craig? Yeah, thanks, Nigel. Uh, I mean, just to start with a broad view in terms of how our lives have changed over the last 12 to 18 months as we've lived our lives in our bedrooms, our homes, working from home, etc. The the results that we've seen from various players that have strong digital capabilities just highlights how quickly the conversion from cash to card, for example, has taken place. You've seen it in terms of digital banks reporting increased monthly active users, daily active users. So there's been a rapid evolution that was a multi-year growth story and arguably that growth story has happened within 12 to 18 months in many cases. So the way we like to think about it is that in the fintech space, you get your uh, disruptors, you get your enablers and you get your incumbents. And we think we are finding opportunities in all three of those spaces. Uh, Many of our existing holdings are rapidly developing their own technological capabilities. You can take JP Morgan as the largest global bank, for example, very, very strong on the digital side. But but we have our own, uh, what we think are unique opportunities. One is in Tinkoff or TCS, the, the Russian bank that started off as a monoline credit card provider, but entirely digitally focused or non-branch focused. There's, there are no branches. And certainly came in and disrupted the traditional banking space in Russia many years ago, or not, not too many years ago, actually, uh, listed in about 2013, but started in about 2007. And they've fundamentally changed how people view and think about banking. And not only in Russia, but across the world, it's certainly used as a leading example of, of how to attack incumbents. And whilst it might have been regarded as a disruptor back then, it's certainly, in, in our view, uh, an incumbent now, a established competitive threat to the large banks and they are looking to expand globally. Now the fund has been invested in them since 2014 or so and and Cookie can confirm that and it has been a phenomenal performer for the fund itself. There was a takeout offer by by Yandex, an e-commerce player which is obviously also very digital focused last year September at around $27. It's now trading at $115. So it's it certainly delivered great results for us and we think it sits right in that fintech space. It ties back in with Corky's comments about the diversification of the fund, banks, insurers. But within banks and within insurers, you can argue that there's a further category in, in terms of fintech. Our other interesting fintech exposure is a business by, by the name of VEF, or previously Vostok Emerging Finance. And this is an investor or a company that invests in emerging market fintech businesses. And that is right across the spectrum from le- a lending business payments businesses, remittance businesses, uh, BNPL exposure and so on, which is another term that many people might be familiar with now given its proliferation. And it's, uh, as I said, largely emerging or is is all emerging market exposure, largely focused on Brazil, just given the, the positive or the attractive unit economics that, that they find there, the management team, which we, we rate very highly. And there's, there's exposure to India, there's exposure to Africa, there's exposure to Pakistan, etc. And what we find really attractive about this asset is that many of the fintech players that are listed these days and, and investable for us are loss-making businesses. And we sometimes struggle to wrap our heads around the valuations that, that they attract. Sure. And um, we, we really trust the management of, uh, given our long track record of, of meeting with them, talking to them, trust their approach. Um, they're very shareholder-minded. And 
it's a way for us to get exposure to some fast-growing, emerging fintech assets in in the globe um, that are not listed that we can't invest directly. Yeah. And it, it's certainly been it's it's gro- it is growing fast um, recently, and we underwent a, a rights issue, which improves um, the investability of it, of FIF as its as its own entity. Um, and certainly been a, a great investment for us well, to date. Just to, just to quickly bring VEF to home, closer to home, uh, this morning's business day carries a headline uh, of international investors investing in Jumo. Jumo is an, an African fintech, and VEF has a large stake in Jumo. We've known Jumo management for a long time, but it's not listed. Sure. So we actually got exposure via VEF. Yeah. Um, Bev is listed on the Swedish yeah, stock Swedish, exchange. Swedish stock. Yes. Yeah. 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 Okay. And weighting within the fund, Craig? At the moment, it's around half a percent. Yeah. So, so small in, in relation to the rest. Um, it is small in terms of its own market cap. We, we're mindful of of liquidity constraints and so on when investing. Yeah. In, sure. In but it's a nice way of investors yeah. investments in the fund are only in listed entities. It's a nice way of investors getting exposure to some unlisted yeah. fintech development across the world. Through, through that particular... I mean, a third one, I'm not sure if Craig was going to mention it, there's Signature Bank in the US, sure. which, again, in its private equity arm, invested invested in five Bitcoin and crypto exchanges. Okay. And that's done incredibly well for them. So, you know, and again, because we've known these guys some, since about 2009-10, we were there at the early stages, similarly with, with Tinkoff, we knew them before the IPO, and when Russia invaded the Ukraine, Tinkoff share price fell below $3. Sure. And we loaded it up to, at that stage, 4% of the fund. It went to, it goes high, 7%. Share price goes from $3 to $120. Yeah, yeah. That unfortunately means you've got to start selling, start selling because it just becomes too big. Sure. Thanks, guys. That's interesting in, in terms of fintech space. We've, we've spoken about some of these opportunities and ideas. We've, we've spoken about some of the exposures. Um, Cocky, in terms of positioning of the fund right now, just give us a flavour: developed market versus emerging market, particular sectors. How are you? How are you positioned at this point? Yeah, so the US is still the largest, um, about forty percent, um, but we've been trimming the banks a bit gradually in the US. They've actually run fairly hard, so good value, but but not as attractive as we see in Europe and a lot of our emerging market exposures. Sure. So EM is about, so US is about 40, EM is about 30 now roughly, um, and mostly in countries with very good balance sheets like India, Indonesia, Russia, Georgia, Mexico. And then amongst those, with the exception of India, also those countries all benefit strongly from the Commodities, the resource run, especially in oil, gas, you know, platinum. So those countries are doing very well and are poised to do very well for a few years. And then the insurance is 25. And that's largely of that 25%, very 20 is, is US. Okay. Um, so that's included in that 40. Uh, and then the rest is Europe. And even in Europe, most of the European exposure is in Eastern Europe. Much faster growth, um, better prospects, better valuations, uh, and then the UK is about seven percent. UK is interesting, but wow, the banks we just don't like the banks enough. Mm-hmm. One of the reasons one once we did buy HSBC we've, for the first time in I think fifteen years, we've invested in HSBC again. But that's more because of Hong Kong and uh, and Asian growth and. 
you know, the problems in Hong Kong and China knocked HSBC down as well. It was already quite cheap. So we slowly started nibbling a bit there. But um, it's actually quite well diversified within the financial space and also geographically. Thank you. Just in terms, just to finish off um, the, the, the question I'm sure our listeners are always asking, I ask this broader question, is now the time to overweight financials? I mean, the, the sector and the, the fund itself has had an extremely good run. Yeah. Performance cookie this year in dollars to dollar terms? Uh, year to date is, I think, 35% in dollars. Mm-hmm. On a 12-month basis, I think it's 80 Yes, But okay, it's very, very important because that's frightened you off. But the PE of the fund is still it's a P of about 7.4 okay. and the, versus a 22 of the MSI world. So you can see that the MSI world is obviously a big concentration of very, very expensive shares like, like um, Facebook, Tesla, Apple, and you've got financial sector that is sort of quite cheap relative to, and remember, as Bailey alluded to as well, with the interest rates going up, that relative gap is going to close because the higher interest rates are going to bring your expensive growth stocks down and actually favor financials. And then also in terms of earnings growth, and this comes from FactSec, not our own forecast, although ours corroborate that, the earnings growth for the next two years is going to be about 20 25%, 30% in the financial sector. So you've got really mispriced financial sector and really strong earnings growth aided by higher interest rates. Expectation for the next 12 to 18 months in terms of dollar performance, if, if I had to tie you down to a... Yeah, if so if, spread of, spread if, I, if we give a fairly conservative number, it, it's uh, somewhere between 12 to 15% per annum for the next two years. And, and how I get that is the average return on capital, in other words, shareholder value growth of the sector is, of the financials we invested in, is about 15%. Yeah. So they're returning 15%. A third of that, even more, in some cases, you're getting back in dividends or you're getting it back in share buybacks. Sure. And then the sector, as I said, if you think of the PE, I quoted 7.4, the sector is still cheap. So you should get 15% plus re-rating. Sure. So 15%, I think, is quite conservative versus a market that is very expensive and most you know, commentators expecting the market to correct. We think it will be a rotation rotation from growth into value and cyclical, as we've already been seeing. It's, sure. it's been happening for a year, slowly, slowly. But we're surprised how many invest, investors we see are still misplaced or mis, very heavy growth and underexposed to financials. And we think the, the fund gives you great opportunity to just close that gap a bit, to go, you should be overweight financials yeah. during the next 12 months. And, and just exposure to South Africa in the fund? Uh, zero. Zero. Okay. I mean, I, I think that's a that's an important point um, in terms of diversification for a South African investor who might have, you know, a um, still a, a reasonable portion of their assets invested here locally, um, but have in the process of or have moved some money overseas. Um, this is a very nice diversifier. The fund Dublin domiciled. It's available on all the main platforms. Easily accessible. So I think it's it's, it's absolutely worth just reiterating that point gentlemen thank you i think we'll leave it there um i think that's been a really good um short update on the sector opportunities that exist within the sector the way that the fund is positioned and uh cookie thank you for giving us some idea as to what you expect from a performance point of view in dollars 
over the course of the next year or two. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Thanks Nigel. Nigel. Thank you for listening to this episode. We hope you found it interesting. If you would like to join us again, please subscribe for more investment insights. To find out more about our team and the funds we offer, please visit our website at denkercapital.com. The opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the participants and do not necessarily represent those of Denker Capital. This podcast does not take the circumstances of a particular person or entity into account and is not advice in relation to an investment. Please do not rely on any information without appropriate advice from an independent financial advisor. The value of investments may go down as well as up, and past performance is not a guide to future performance. Denker Capital is an authorized financial services provider in South Africa. Please visit denkercapital.com forward slash disclaimers for the full disclaimer relating to the global fund mentioned in this episode.